Powered by Rep Media in partnership with TSN, it is season five, and this is episode 36 of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. We've introduced their first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, the delicious CC 15-year-old Sherry mm. Pass. Signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey finish with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry um, so we've got Rick Bonus Ray joining us on the podcast today. Of course, the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Now we recorded the interview last night, just convenience for Bones. Um, then after the interview, I realized that it was Rick Bonus's 69th birthday. Oh. We did not, we did not wish Bones a happy birthday. I don't know about you, but I feel shame. On behalf of the no. podcast, I feel shame. Let's just acknowledge no. that right now. Yeah, that was, that was a bogey by us. Happy birthday, Bones. <laughs> uh, terrific guy. Uh, mm. Great sense of humor. And as people will see, maybe you maybe won't hear it. I mean, we all suffer through a little tech issue <laughs> on occasion, yeah. some more than others. And uh, evidently, Rick Bonus is, is, is part of our fraternity. So. Good on them for Well, we, I will say we didn't have to stop the podcast so somebody could remember to plug in their headset. Oh, that was me. Oops. <laughs> That's all right. It kind of, it's reminiscent of season one of the Ray Trace podcast. Where we had stuff going on. We really had no idea. What <laughs> no we clue. Were idea. All right. Uh, we have a lot to get to, including the interview with Bones. Um, in the Tim Hortons headlines, Brought to you, as always, by Tim Hortons. We're celebrating 60 years, Ray, of keeping it fresh mm. with the return of four iconic retro donuts, which we all love. The Dutchie, the Blueberry Fritter, the Cinnamon Sugar Twist, and last but certainly not least, one of my personal favorites, the Walnut Crunch. Mm. Available right now. They opened all of this on January 10th. But for a limited time only. So you need one of these iconic donuts. So head into your local Tim Hortons ASAP. Um, Ray, a quick clarification before we get into headlines, if that's okay. Um, as the Globe and Mail first reported, five members of Canada's 2018 World Junior Hockey Team have been asked to surrender to London police to face sexual assault charges. Now, London police have scheduled a press conference for February 5th, and neither the NHL nor the National Hockey League Players Association, are commenting at this point or stage. So with respect to the legal process, we're not going to be discussing this matter on the podcast until all of the facts have been gathered and London police have announced their findings and maybe those involved have been identified. So for now, for now, we're going to table this. Um, but there's lots going on on the ice in the Ooh. National Hockey League. And, and why don't we start? with the Islanders taking on the Montreal Canadiens last night. I mean, a nice night until it wasn't. You had the standing ovation for Patrick Waugh, mm -hmm. which isn't that typical, typical of Habs fans mm -hmm. and the building and the community and everything. Nobody does it better. Nobody does it right. better than they do in Montreal. There's, there's no ceremonial night that hits all the notes like they do in Montreal. I, there is just something different. You can walk into that building, certainly the old building now, you know, it's been a long time, but the Bell Center now, and there's just something different about it. And the way they present things and the way they 
connect to their team. And it's a, it's always of the arenas you could go to and the cities you could go to. There's always something a little special about going into Montreal. And I, I did love that. uh, Well, two things. One was that Wa said he didn't want to be the story. And then I don't know how long (laughs) was the ovation for whatever it was. And And the second thing is, you know, uh, 30 other visiting coaches walk across the ice from where the dressing room is. He walked around the back hall, right? You know, that's kind of like the Canadians locker room back there. Right. And he came out through the back. I, I guess if your number's in the rafters, you get to come over. You don't have to walk across the ice. It just struck me as funny. I'm like, Hey, where'd he come from? He came right up the hallway and walked and walked out to the bench. Amazing, stuff. amazing night. So- so iconic, right? Even throughout the day, you know, there was videos surfacing on social media. He's just trying to get to the rink or trying to get to wherever he's going. And of course, he's got, you know, autograph seekers with Montreal Canadian sweaters and pictures and all mm-hmm. of that. And he was as gracious as he could be. Uh, but then that game turned ugly, right? In the mm-hmm. third period, Brendan Gallagher undoubtedly is going to face the wrath of the Department of Player Safety. We don't know he to should. what degree yet um, as we're recording here. Friday morning, something is coming, likely an in-person hearing. I mean, that's as nasty an elbow forearm to the head of Islanders defenseman Adam Pellick as you're going to see, and certainly worthy of a match penalty. And we don't like to do the guessing game when it comes to pinning a number on what is an appropriate suspension for a play like that, but it's got to be five, six, seven, doesn't it? Well, I, I have eight in in my okay. head to start and the reason being is that that hit would have been brutal 10 years ago that that elbow like they're you know Gallagher's going east and west and Pellick is going north and south mm-hmm. and as he's mistimed his uh swoop through to try and pressure the puck he just sticks his elbow up and hits him right in the face and um to say these are the type of hits you want to get out of the game, well, of course you do. Like this is not, it's not even a hit, and I'm I, I was surprised to see it, um, and I, I don't think there's there's really any defense to the hit. Yeah, and you wait for uh, the significance of injury here because that factors in. It really shouldn't. It shouldn't, but it does. Um, yeah. I don't like that it, it does. I don't. I don't yeah. like that it does. Like, what happens if? That play happens to identically, and one person is injured for months, and the other, just by the the grace of the gods, is not, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. fine. Like it's the play that is suspendable, not the injury. But that's that's my view on it. All right. Well, there will be due process uh, by George Paros and the Department of Player Safety, so uh, we'll know officially. Well, you'll know. As soon as we know, but we'll talk about the aftermath uh, in our next episode of the Ray and Driggs podcast early next week. Uh, on to brighter things. The Edmonton Oilers win their 15th straight game, 3 nothing over the Chicago Blackhawks. Cal Pickard made 27 saves. So the Oilers now impressively have allowed three goals or fewer, I think, in each of the games played to this point. And, and, and I want you to respond to something here. Chris Knobloch, Post-game, very honest. Maybe splitting hairs, I'm not sure. But post-game, he talked about the team playing just good enough to win, and that's about it. We're just playing good enough to win right now. I think we got a lot more on our group, but um, 
as a coach, we're just as a coaching staff, we're always pushing our guys, trying to get better at something each day. And um, right now, I think we've been good enough each night to win games, and that's that's about it. So your thoughts? I mean, are we splitting hairs here? Legitimately, are we splitting hairs when the coach comes out, or is he wisely fine tuning because he knows that it's going to get heavier as you progress in in the regular season? Well, it's it's both. I mean, like you've you've talked to enough coaches. I mean. You, you talk to somebody after a 5-1 win and you're like, geez, coach, you guys played great today. And, and he'll mm -hmm. say, yeah, but our power play wasn't very good. Like they're, they're trained to look for the, the potential potholes. Like that's just, that's what they see. And, mm -hmm. and the reason, of course, is because they know it's bloody hard and it's hard to, to win. And they know that there is a, there's a fine line between winning a whole bunch of games and then all of a sudden, oops, it gets away from you. And it is right. way easier for it to get away from you um, than it is to get it back. Like what, mm -hmm. once it goes, look out. It's like, it's, it's really, really hard to, to get back. Now, Dregs, I'm just looking through here. They've given up, they haven't given up. Like it's a different, and this is where I, not that I have issue. Of course, I, I don't have issue with what he said is that, they're playing well enough to win, except since their 5 nothing win against San Jose on December 28th, they haven't given up three goals in a game. Hmm. Like, it's a, it's a different yeah. way to win uh, from, from them in the past. And you can say, well, they haven't had the toughest of schedules, and, and they haven't. Um, you know, their last two wins are Columbus and Chicago and, you know, Calgary prior to that. But they're, they've given up two goals in those three games. So... I look at this and I'm like, maybe, maybe they have the type of team that can win in a couple of different ways, which they didn't have yeah. in the past. And of this, of the many things that this streak did, you know, you mentioned that Cal Pickard had the shutout last night. Remember at the start of the year, oh my God, Kenny Holland's got to go out and get a goaltender. And basically what they did was they said, you know, Jack Campbell, you're going to the minors because, you know, you, you, you just can't stop the puck right now. And we're going to bring up Pickard. And now Stu Skinner, it's you. You you better stop it because we don't have a backstop. We're going to play Pickard here and there. And as Skinner got going and as the team got going, that's bought them time. Whether they decide to add a goalie or not, it's bought them time, which means more cap space, which means the potential to add further down the line. And, of course, 15 wins in your pocket does, doesn't yeah. do your – your psyche much damage either does it like what an amazing streak <laughs> i expect Corey perry will make his debut on saturday um eh, you know what, what you just expect what you expect from Corey perry right i don't think he's going to turn the world upside down he's just going to go and, and play the way he plays and maybe be a tad conservative as he tries works his way back up to pace no, no, because I don't think there's any other way for him to play. Like he's, you know, it's not like he's going to get the puck and try and work his way through the neutral zone carrying it. He gets it and he gives it to somebody that does that. Yeah. And he's played the same game. His game's really not changed over the years, but as he's gotten older, and I think as most guys get older and are able to stay around the game, it's because they've morphed their game into what they're able to do. Mm-hmm. And what is their, um, 
like, like what's the best way they can play limited number of minutes that makes them useful to their teams. Right. So I, I, the game Perry's got is the game you're going to see now he hasn't played in a long time. And so, you know, that might, you know, it's like coming back from a long injury. So first game might be good. And <laughs> then you, you tail off a little bit because, oh my gosh, everybody's going really fast. And, but they got to, they want to get them in and then they've got the break and then you can ramp up again after the break. All right, let's stay in the West, Ray. Another enormous task for the Los Angeles Kings as they face the Avalanche in Colorado. Seven of their next eight are on the road after losing 12 of their last 14. They squandered a lead on Wednesday and allowed Buffalo to score four straight times to beat them. Mm. Post-game, Drew Doughty did not hold back and accused some of his teammates of being selfish. I think we got guys in this room who are too worried about themselves and worried about their points and worried about stuff like that. We get a 3-1 lead tonight, and you know, guys start thinking it's a it's a cookie night, and we stop playing the way we know how to play, have an awful second period, and then aren't much better in the third. Uh, it's about the team. It's not about yourself, and a lot of guys on this team will need to realize that. Hmm. You know, it's reminiscent of Devon Taves, isn't it? Speaking of, of yeah. Colorado, earlier in sure. the season. Sure. Um, is Dowdy wrong? I mean, he's not wrong, is he? Well, he's not. And what's interesting coming from him, uh, as I look at it, is he's the perfect guy because had earlier in his career, he decided to take a different path in playing or maybe been around a different um, coach and manager as they had in, in L.A., Doughty could have been a high point guy. He really could have been. And what was impressed upon him is, for us to win, we need you to play big minutes and to be a, a different player than a high-risk, high-reward guy. Mm -hmm. And so he absolved, or he absorbed that information, and I think he changed his game to that, like to morph yeah. it into that type of player. So what he sees is it's a 3-1 lead, and that game's got to be in your pocket. And, you know, whether it's guys looking for extra points or guys that have not produced for them and now they cheat for offense because they are worried about their offensive totals. Um, it, in the long run, that that springs leaks in your team. And is maybe that it's hard good to for break, them. right? Is that hard to oh, break? Yeah, it is because every time you pick up the stat sheet, you see that your stats suck. Yeah. And as much as it's a team game, it's also an individual game. What I've not understood with today's player in a lot of ways is – like we always had to play, not had to, it was just the way it was for bonuses. Like, you know, you'd, you'd be making $250,000. You had a $50,000 bonus for 30 yeah, goals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it mattered. <laughs> now, if you're making six or $7 million, there are no bonuses, whether you get 10 goals or 45 goals, it doesn't matter. Right. Shouldn't it just be easier to say, I need to play more of a team game. I, I think it should be. And for in a lot of cases, it's just not. I was down there the other night, and you know, I, I talked a little bit prior to going there about uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, and he's been a disaster there. And you can't make that type of addition to your team and have it go sideways without there being implications across their lineup. Like they need more. He's the one guy. It's impossible for one guy to turn a ship, but he's the one guy that can make a significant impact. And now they go into Colorado. I mean, how's Nate McKinnon doing? My goodness, man. Like he is just rolling over teams. He's four goals the other night. 
Um, the abs, you know, they, they blow out Washington and what's, he can't get to the league lead in points because <laughs> Kucherov keeps getting three points all the time. The two of them are, are just like treating it like bantam hockey. It's amazing. You know, um, those close to Dubois say he's working hard. He's working hard. He's trying to work his way out of it, but well, okay, it hasn't paid off yet. I, if he's working hard, I saw half a game of it against, uh, I can't even remember who I, took, who I did the game with. Yeah. Oh, Nashville. Yeah. It was Nashville last week, last week. Like he's, he looks, he's such a big guy that if he leans on people, the ice will open up for him. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't lean on people, he's leaving half his toolbox on the bench. Right. And, and right now to me, it looks like he's, he's trying, but he's playing an easy game. If he plays a hard game, like just uses the tools he has, he's going to be immensely more productive than, than he has been. And pretty clearly from his comments, Todd McClellan and the Kings have had enough of it too. Right. Uh, and in fairness, Todd McClellan is not dodging bullets. He's accepting responsibility for how things are going or not going. He's certainly accepted his share of the blame. And Rob Blake, the general manager for now, says they will stay the course. But again, seven of their next eight on the road. So they might be forced into something. Rick Bonus raised our guest this week on Rain Dregs. And we know that the Winnipeg Jets will host the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, tomorrow night in Winnipeg. So I'm hearing that Shifley, Velarde, and Morrissey expected to play in that game, which is a huge benefit to the Winnipeg Jets. It's a different lineup than the one that fell in overtime to Austin Matthews in the Leafs on Wednesday. Now, you remember a few episodes ago when I asked you about the message sending if a coach starts his second power play unit over the first, you know, just to mm-hmm. just, you know, Hey, the first unit isn't clicking. You don't like the way they're playing. Boom. You know, let's try the second unit. Well, Sheldon Keith parked his stars on Wednesday, his first unit after they gave up a two on O in that game yeah. to the Winnipeg jets. Uh, everyone who smiles after the game on the leaf side, because Austin Matthews scores the overtime winner. If Winnipeg wins that game, are the headlines different? Does Sheldon Keefe take some heat there? Should he? Well, I don't think I don't think he should in that case. I mean, do you know how hard it is to give up a two on zero when you have a power play? It's pretty hard. It, so that that to me is uh, a complete lack of commitment to the team game. Everybody's worried about forward, forward. That's impatience yeah. in a zero zero game, right? And yeah. When I say this, Dregs, I think I'm actually perfectly placed to say this because that's how I would have looked at it. I was not patient. Like <laughs> if it was zero zero, I was thinking we got a power play, we got a score. I might take a chance that I shouldn't have taken. Like I, I, I see it. I see that, and I totally understand it. But it's not the right way to play. Yeah. Right. And so he sits those guys down. They, they get the win. Um, by the way, everybody loves Elia Sampson off again. Good for him because yeah. man, he's, he's taken a beating there for about six weeks, but mm-hmm. this has to work its way through the team. You have to have five guys can't win you a Stanley Cup. 
Five guys might be able to win you half a playoff round, but not a full playoff round. Mm-hmm. Like there, when we talked about the Oilers playing just well enough to win, I feel like that's the way it is with the Leafs a lot. It's Agreed. just enough because they've got a lot of good players. They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven forwards that have Camp has got well Camp, Gregor, Nyes, Bertuzzi. Tavares, Yarncroke, and Domi have one goal, and that's Domi's in the last 16 games. Um, Yarncroke, 0 and 9. Tavares doesn't have a point forever, but he's 0 and 10. And the others are 13, 14, 17, and 19. And Domi is 1 and 16. Like your team, you can't even work around that. Right. Right? Like those guys are all in your lineup. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of things like if, Lots of things there. The the second power play, you boot those guys one time in the toes, they'll they're awake now. Like they're I think they're if they have pride and they do, then they're well aware of what that looks like. I, I, like I when you're hoping for your goalie on a two on zero and you've got five guys <laughs> on the ice, like like you know. again, the media side of me wanted Winnipeg to score. Wanted Winnipeg. Oh, sure. Because yeah. I'm like, this would make it tremendous. Especially, well, and then after the fact, when he parks those guys, uh, then I'm like, oh, geez, that's too bad. Because had they scored, this would have been salacious. It would have been terrific. Uh, and look, I mean, Saturday's game in Winnipeg is going to be must-watch, so we'll keep an eye on that. Let's wrap up headlines with a uh, thought on the Columbus Blue Jackets. On insider trading, I talked about the listening that is happening by Yarmo Kekalainen. And, I kind of, I, I reference it tongue-in-cheek here, Ray, right? Like, listening is the catch word now because it allows the general managers to potentially, the clubs, to get names out there. We're not shopping. He's not on the block, but we're listening. We're listening. Um, so there's a list of guys that Yarmo is willing to listen on, and I'm told they will listen on the potential movement of Patrick Liney and Ivan Provorov, both unlikely to be traded. So let's just... Put that on record. But if you're a club that needs scoring, you make the call on Lion A or you've seen enough where it's too risky? Uh, it's too risky for me. I mean, how would you know what you're going to get? Right. Like, I, I just, I, I think contract, well, I was going to say contract aside, but that can never be the case, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't say no. contract aside. No. Um if I'm acquiring a player, I want to have some idea what the parameters of his game are. Like, what's what's the floor like? What's the ceiling like? And hopefully those two things are pretty close together. So I've got a, uh, you know, a pretty good indication of what the player is going to be. If you can define Patrick Laine, then you, maybe you would make that call. I don't know how you can. It's all over the map. Provorov is... Is a talented kid. Uh, he's he's unpredictable in his zone, and that really will scare teams away. But th- this whole thing about I'm listening isn't that what everybody did for thirty years or forty years or fifty years? They picked up the phone and they talked to people, like to get it out there. Like you want to get names out there. The other general managers are they are they waiting for you to make a report and go? Oh, I didn't know that. Like you'd some like of them to think- admitted they didn't know that, which is. I made well, me that's jump. a whole 
that's a whole other story. <laughs> like if they don't know, like why don't they know? Like yeah. Columbus has had such a mess there for a couple of years now. They keep getting close and then it falls away, close and it falls away. Yeah. But man, Dregs, they've got, they've got to figure out a direction there because it feels like it's kind of all over the map at the moment. I almost in the insider trading, and it's a serious segment, right? We're not supposed to have fun. We're supposed to give the hard, hard news and move on. I wanted a soundbite from Fraser Crane, right? Every time he'd come on in studio as the psychologist, <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the brass at TSN wouldn't go for it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't buy? No fun. No fun. All right. Those are your headlines. Thank you to Tim Hortons. Your favorite retro donuts are back from the past. And with our 20-minute fresh coffee, what's classic is always fresh. So good. It's time for retro donuts. It's time for Tim's. It's time for Tim's. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs are brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey. The first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series is out there. The CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. Pleased to be joined on the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast by the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Rick Bonus. And uh, we'll talk hockey here, Rick, momentarily. But you're back on the bench. You're back at work. So obviously, Judy is healthy and your family is back in a real good place. That's the only reason I'm back, because if she wasn't, we wouldn't, uh, we'd have to, yeah, there'd be other things we'd have to consider. But thank you for asking. No, she's doing fine, thanks. Uh, she's uh, on her road to recovery, and she hates the attention. And I tell her how popular she's getting, is that no one asks me, how's your wife doing? They all ask, how's Judy doing? <laughs> now now you're, you're more well-known than I am, which is good. <laughs> Well, we had uh, Josh Morrissey on uh, on the podcast just prior to you coming back, and uh, the Jets were going to play that day in Florida, and or the next day, and he said, yeah, we hope to see Bones on this trip, and they had no idea you were coming back, so was that a last-minute thing, or was that just the day that everything aligned that you were able to come back? Well, we had kind of looked at it, and we own a home in Florida, so I, we, I brought Judy down there to help her recovery. Uh, and we kind of had looked at that game against the Panthers as a, as a possible date to come back. Obviously, everything had to fall into place with her to get her health back where I was comfortable uh, leaving her. But we also had to line up. We've got three kids, and I lined up all the kids because I didn't want her spending any time alone. When I was on the road, I didn't want her spending a night alone. So I had to line up all the, the three kids with her to make sure that when I was on the road, uh, that she had someone with her at all times. So it did line up for that. But as I had come home, I had come back to Winnipeg two weeks prior to joining the team, and I did meet with the players, and I said, look, I'm demanding on you guys to be all in, 100% all in. I just can't give you that right now. And I went up, when I can give you that, I can't tell you exactly that date. But with Judy and I both kind of looked at that game in Florida uh, at the end of uh, November to kind of try to get back. If she was feeling better, she was feeling strong. She was kind of, okay, you can go push, kind of pushing me out the door. You go back to coaching now. But again, <laughs> the, the kids had to step in big time, and they've been a huge help to us. It's been uh, it's been quite a year for you guys uh, for the Jets, and I want to go back to the the end of the year last year, which ended rather suddenly and in a disappointing fashion. And how were you? What was the first step after after you spoke at the end of the year? What was the first step for you looking forward into this year? 
I wanted the players to digest what I had said. Again, looking ahead to this year. Um, and then I just made the phone calls. Like I said, this is where I'm coming from. You got to understand this. And uh, yeah, about a month later, it was all it was all behind us. Uh, but again, they, I didn't want that message to go away. Uh, sometimes, listen. Sometimes you, you know you got to draw a line in the sand. And when you do that, you're going to rattle some cages. So um, then you got to then you've got to deal with it. But I wanted the players going into this year. Okay, we got to raise the bar here. Last year, yeah, nice to make the playoffs and yeah, and get back into it, but it wasn't good enough. And so, if you want to win the Stanley Cup, you got to raise the bar. So all we're trying to do there is raise the bar, push the push the standards higher. Uh, and yeah, by the, a month later, we were all fine, and we were all looking forward to this year because we know we've got a pretty good team here. And but again, you, you just got to keep pushing the pushing the standard higher and higher. And, and just keep pushing them forward. So, again, you draw the line in the sand, that's enough, and you're going to upset some people. That's fine. That's all. That was all part of the plan. So, anyways, we've all moved forward, and we've, uh, you know, again, we've had a good year to this point, and we're going to keep pushing. Uh, look, maybe the media is to blame for this, Rick, but we'll, we'll, we'll peruse the standings east and west on a hour-by-hour hour basis. And normally media will define a top contender, even a – a contender based on what we see in the standings. Um, how do you define what a top contender is? Or does that take some playoff success to make that happen? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think you have to wait until you get to the trading deadline. You see what rosters look like, rather before that or after that. Um, I think a lot can change with a team that you may not consider a contender. They make a couple of big moves, and that changes things in a hurry. So I think you wait until the deadline. You see what everyone looks like. But then when you make these changes, you, you got to hope that the chemistry fits, that the guys you're bringing in mold right into your team play and your team chemistry. So um, you get near the end of the year, it'll, it'll sort itself out, and you're going to see the true contenders uh, there's a lot of potential teams that can win the Stanley Cup this year. It's wide open, mm. and it'll be interesting to see what changes are made between now and the deadline. And again, once those changes are made, how does that affect the, the current team? You talk about chemistry. Um, you know, you guys had, we'll go back to the summer just for a moment, but you get Shifley and Hellebuck signed. keep bringing that up. <laughs> well, no, because I'm just fascinated, Rick. I'm fascinated that, like, you guys made that huge trade. It seemed like you know, like there, there was lots of pieces that need to fit together. How do, how do you make, how do you make the plan appeal to the players? So it doesn't become a plan. It's just the way you played you guys. I think you've given up more than three goals once in like 35 games or something. Like how does it come from plan to action? Well, again, when you make that trade, um, you're hoping the three players that we brought in want to be here in Winnipeg, want to be a Winnipeg jet and they fit in with how we want to play, but just as important, they fit in with the chemistry of the team and the culture of the team. And fortunately, those three players that we brought in, Gabe, Alex, and, and Rasmus, they, 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 were, they were all excited to come to Winnipeg, uh, and our players fed off of that right, right from training camp. They could tell that these three players wanted to be here. They wanted to be the Winnipeg Jets. They wanted to be part of our team moving forward. So that was, that was a big boost to everyone. Then you can see that they're all good players and that they make us a better team, and they give us a better chance of winning as the season goes on, which is which is turned out, turned out to be true. Now, if you bring guys in and they don't want to be here, then you've got, you're dealing with the same old issues. 
But from training camp on, the three players that we brought in, uh, they wanted to be here, and they were excited to be here. And the players just, just wrapped their arms around them. They were so excited to be here. And bringing Vladdy and Nino back was huge because clearly they wanted to be here. So the mm-hmm. whole room had bought into being in Winnipeg Jet, wanted to be here, wanted and bought in. And when you do that, as you know, the players, they buy into the way you want to play when they see us having success. And we had, as you know, we had good success last year for most of it. Yeah, we hit it down the spill for a while, but then we bounced back and we got into the playoffs. So the players went away knowing, okay, there's, the nucleus is there. We have a good team. Hopefully we can take the next step next year. And those three players that we brought in, plus the return of Vladi and Nino, they, made, they helped us make that next mm-hmm. step. So I would say we're a better team off the ice this year by far, and I'd mm-hmm. say we're a better team on the ice. How's uh, in the last five or seven years, if any, how's your view of the game changed? Like the way you coach maybe a few years ago to, to now, like my, I was watching the Boston game and then I saw some of the Toronto game before I started last night. And you guys smother people like there is nowhere to go. And I'm curious, has it always been in your mind like that? Yeah, yeah, we you know we try to do that in Dallas, and we had a good skating team, and clearly in Vancouver and Tampa. So I think when you have the skaters and you can put a pressure game on the team, the players enjoy it more. They're skating, they're working, they're, um, they they feel they're really involved in the game. Uh, and again, we had some success with it last year. When we, we when we went bad last year, we went, resorted to old habits that we had to re, had to get rid of again. But the players enjoy the way we play because we can pressure and we can get the puck, and we're generating more offense. Now we're we're going through a couple of games here where we're not putting the puck in the net, but we're still generating the opportunities. And the last night in Toronto was a perfect example. I know we lost the game in overtime, but we generated enough chances to win that game. So the players see that, and they've all bought into okay, we play defense. We're going to get good offensive opportunities, and they're having fun playing that way. But again, you can put a style of play in, but the players have to enjoy it. Right. But, but more importantly, they have to feel they can have success with it. Uh, and right now, we have we've got a complete buy-in, which we've had from training camp on, and it's and it's starting to show more and more each game. So again, the players are having fun. Obviously, the success that we've had so far has, has helped that. But they're enjoying playing the way we play, and they they take great pride in. And as you just mentioned, smothering teams, being hard to play against. So mm-hmm. when teams leave you, man, that was a tough game. They're not walking out of our rink or walking out when we play the man. That was an easy game. That's not happening. And our players have bought in. They're taking great pride in that. Rick, you referenced the Toronto game. You also lost Josh Morrissey in that game. I mean, injuries are something that every team in the National Hockey League has to deal with. But does it force you to maybe test players in other areas, in different roles? So in that sense, you never want to go through injuries. But in that sense, it can be helpful. Well, all of a sudden you're down to 5D with 50 minutes to go in the game, really, when he got hurt. But So now you, you go into a game, you have your matchups planned. Well, you throw that right out the window. You do. Like you do. And Scott Hill did a great job last night managing the defense and their times. So when you're down to five, you're managing, you're watching their shift lanes, uh, making, and you need a lot of help from your forwards. And then making sure you're not spending unnecessary time in your zone and you're not turning pucks over the neutral zone. So our forwards did a great job of that. Scotty did a great job of managing the player or the defenseman's ice time. But so your roles planning, your what you have planned going into the game, 
quickly you throw that out. And now it's just managing ice time and uh, you don't worry about matchups, just making sure you're not getting caught out there on long shifts. And again, our D had great help from our forwards last night. And when we did have a couple of breakdowns, Laurent Borsard has been playing great force in the net and he made the timely save to keep us in the game. Do you have, uh, you seem like, and you've always had this like endless energy. Do you, do you feel like you, you have that? Like it's, it's amazing watching you behind the bench and watching you at practice and stuff. You've just, you've always seemed to be able to have this barrel of energy to, to dive into. Well, Ray, when you're not the smartest guy back there, you better bring something to the team. <laughs> I, you know, I try to bring the energy. I try to bring the passion. But sometimes I get mad at myself because I overdo it, and I know I overdo it. So sometimes I'm talking to myself, calm down, calm down, calm down. But I, I don't know. The passion, is, uh, the passion for the game is still why I'm, why I'm still here, although I'm coaching. I could have retired a couple of th- times ago, a couple of years ago. But um, the, the love of the game and the love of those moments behind the, the bench, like last night when it's a tight game and you're going down the end, the love of those moments, um, yeah, it still excites me. And, yeah, I've got to make sure I, I calm myself down. But I'm only here because of the love and the passion of the game, and that's what has driven me all these years. What was, what was your passion like halfway through that expansion season in Ottawa? God. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what, Bones? I was playing for the Islanders. You guys won your first road game in New York. It was the I think it was your last road game of the year. You'd lost like forty straight and you beat us dummies. <laughs> we were like, how did that happen? Well, that's what we were saying. But remember that Lori Boschman, uh Lori Boschman scored a hat trick. We took a penalty the very shift, first shift, and he scored in the power play. And I looked over at Al. He was coaching. He's kind of looking at me. He's almost feeling sorry for me. Sorry we just scored on you so early in the game. <laughs> uh, but I know the guys, uh, the guys rallied. That was a tough year. But it was, a, you know what? It, it was a great challenge because every day, uh, and I had a great staff with A.J. McGuire and Chico Resch and L.A. Vigneault. We had a great staff. And every day we'd come in, okay, listen, this is tough. This, this is tougher than anything ever that we've ever been through. I certainly wasn't ready to go through something like that at that stage of my career. But we challenged each other to stay as positive as we could, be as creative as we could. So it actually made us stronger. It actually made us better coaches, I think. But, man, that was tough. There's, there's no question. When you're going into games and you're looking, you're comparing your roster to their roster and you're saying to yourself, my gosh, I hope they have a bad night tonight. I hope some of those guys don't show up tonight. And we're gonna, we've got to come up big every game because we, were, we weren't built to win that year. We were built to drop pick first the next year, which we did. Uh, but that was the plan. We're, we're going to go in, we're going to lose, and we're going to try to get that first pick overall, which ended up happening. Uh, but, man, those are tough times. But I had a great staff. Um, love E.J. McGuire, miss him terribly. Elaine um, was great. Chico was great. So we supported each other. But I'm telling you, Ray, that was that was the toughest year I've ever had in my life by far. Well, Bones, I, I look at our expansion roster in Atlanta, and it, you know, it was 20-plus years ago now, and I'm like, I forgot that guy was – like, it was only 20 years ago. You were 10 years beyond that. Do you ever look at the roster and go, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot about this guy or that guy? Because <laughs> – we all had so many players, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, I tell you how bad we were. Do you, if you remember the next year, Florida and Anaheim came in, they changed the draft rules. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we so can't do that again. Was in 92. 
Well, I think we drafted a guy that was actually dead in Russia. We did. Um, but, so we were so bad, they ended up changing the draft for Anaheim uh, in Florida, which was a good move. But the one thing I go back to that Tampa, the one thing they did right away, they went and got uh, uh, Pupa, the goalie. They got a, they got an international yeah. hockey number one goalie. So good on Phil to do that because that certainly helped them a lot. Well, it's always great to catch up, Rick. We appreciate you doing this. It's a condensed schedule. It's a real busy time of you for for you and for everybody. So thanks for doing it, and uh, all the best the rest of the My way. My pleasure. I always love talking to you guys. All the best to you. Thank you. All the best, Bones. Thank you. <laughs> you know, the, the Bones interview had a bit of the Kevin Weeks feel to it, <laughs> you know, with He's doing it on his phone, and you know, sometimes he's kind of there, but the top of his head sort of is and all of that. But for anybody who doesn't know Rick Bonus, and if you're a hockey fan, I think that you would get a feel for the type of individual that it is. Oh, wildly competitive, as every coach is, of course. Mm -hmm. But man, is he comfortable with where he's at and everything that's going on in his world? But as you acknowledged during the interview, the energy level of this 69-year-old man is incredible. It, it, it is. You see it behind the bench. If you, want, if you get to watch a Jets practice, um, it's the same thing. You know, there's not a – it doesn't seem to be a slow day for him. No, no. I, I am going to add a little background to a story he didn't want to add too much background to because it's actually hilarious. So <laughs> when he was in Ottawa – as the head coach, they lost every game on the road until their last road game of the year when they came into Long Island. And we had to win one of our last two games to get into the playoffs. They started the wrong lineup, right? They had the wrong five guys on the ice. We scored on the power play. So I remember looking out at the blue line and Brad Shaw was playing defense for them. And Brad and I knew each other from Hartford. And I look out and I, I was on the bench and I, I caught his eye and we were giggling. Like they couldn't even start the right five guys. Well, turns out they beat us. No oh boy. Yeah. Um, the story is they, they had the, a garbage can that they were uh, in the locker room. Like it was the Stanley cup. Like, you know, they were just having a, a laugh oh, at themselves. Yeah. Well, the next night we had to go into Jersey and we had to win to get into the playoffs. <laughs> like, just think you got two games left. Oh, we'll beat Ottawa and we'll be fine. That was, the year we went, that was the year we went to the semifinals. We almost missed because <laughs> the playoffs, because we lost to Ottawa, but they, they started the wrong lineup. And what Rick was talking about was Al Arbor looked over at Rick and said, sorry, but you know, like we got to call it you got the wrong lineup on the ice. So, but somehow they survived it all, and here we are, all those years later. And Bones has got one of the best teams in the NHL rolling along. Yeah, and he talked about chemistry and how important that is. He's a big part of that, right? It's it's not just the pieces, the players inside that dressing room. It's the communication of that group, and and let's not overlook the influence of Scott Arneal either, right? I mean, he was in the mix there to become the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, and. Mm -hmm. They just wanted a bit more, a lot more experience is what they get in Rick Bonus. So that's a cohesive group, top to bottom there now. You know, he, he brushed over, I think, because he doesn't, you know, doesn't want to get into the detail. But, yeah. you know, like when they, when they talked at the end of the year, remember, it was, 
it was not a smooth pond in front of them. He said, yeah, after about a month, we had some phone calls, things were good. You know, in that month, they had to wade through a lot of detail about mm. how are we going to go forward. And some of those questions had to involve Shifley and Hellebuck. No question. You know, like, are you guys going to stay or what are you going to do? And if we stay, this is the way we want to go forward. And I, I've been super impressed with with the way they dealt with all of that and the way that they've they've played the first 50 games of the year. It's been really, really phenomenal. Well, thank you to the Winnipeg Jets and the head coach, Rick Bonus for joining us in this episode of Rain Dregs. Uh, if you have a question, you can fire it our way for Ask Rain Dregs Anything on Twitter and Instagram at Rain Dregs or on the website, raindregs.com. We will get to that segment early next week in our next episode. I can see you're on the road. I know you're in New York. Yep. Um, so Vegas. Big- um, Vegas tonight. So, Oh, you're, oh yes, yes. No, right. so yes. Vegas yeah. is here in New York. Yeah. And so part of my game prep is figuring out who Vegas is going to play. They, they are just hanging in here and, you know, like every team goes through a little bit of it. Man, they got slammed here in, in Vegas. They got six guys, six call-ups that are going to be in the game tonight. And yet there they are. They're, you know, they're still in the top three in the Pacific Division. They're, you know they're going to get guys healthy. You know they're going to be a real problem, uh, a real problem coming down the stretch. So as we wrap up here quick, uh, just getting this in, phone hearing, conference call hearing. For Brendan Gallagher, which means five or less. I, I don't agree. Yeah. I, I just yeah. I just don't agree. What what do you I, I'm I'm real well, I'm just gonna wait. I'm gonna I'm curious to see how they equate that to to that level that you know it's the phone hearing, not the in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no Drake's, so there's no uh there's no mechanism to go more than five on a phone hearing. Yes, um, but you offer uh, an in-person hearing, and if the player declines, normally they would say an in-person hearing was offered and declined, and then they okay. still proceed with the hearing, and then they go beyond that. So anyway, as we're wrapping up here, that just landed in my inbox: phone hearing. Yep. We'll uh, we'll we'll sort through the aftermath on Tuesday. How's that? Perfect. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Dregs, I hope you guys have a have a good weekend. And yeah. uh, NHL wraps up this weekend for the All Star break, and everybody gets a few days away. And uh, hope you hope you get away. I'm gonna try. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, Canadian Club Whiskey, and to Tim Hortons. And yes, thank you for listening for sharing for rating us, and for following us on our YouTube channel. Until next time, stay safe, everybody.